0: Hello and welcome to NSTA The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and so pleased today to be joined by John Elliott Sr. He is CEO Emeritus of National Express, and that's uh, the second largest pupil transportation contractor across North America. And this is a podcast we've been trying to put in the works for for several months. And so, John, so glad to welcome you to NST at the bus stop, and, you know, engage in some conversation about student transportation. Thank you very much, Kurt. I'm pleased. Uh, I'm pleased to be here. So, one wh- one of the things I actually find r- really interesting about doing the bus stop, and we're now into our third year of, of podcast, is talking about people's journey in student transportation. And you're a name that I've heard since I began, you know, uh, with NSTA. I'm moving into my fourth year with the organization. And I'm really interested to learn, you know, how you got involved with, you know, student transportation and how that kind of evolved over the years into, I'm sure, many different positions. So why don't you take us through, you know, how you first got involved with student transportation? All right, Kurt. Thank you. Kurt, I actually
1: began my, uh, my working career in education.
0: I was a uh,
1: a teacher and then an administrator and then moved to student transportation actually 50 years ago, 50 years ago as of uh, June wow. 2nd of 2022. I joined a, a family owned business in Kankakee, Illinois, it was called KAL Leasing. Family owned, a number of enterprises, and one of them was the leasing company that also had just started two school bus contracts in Illinois. A couple of years after joining that company, I became uh, president of KAL and served in that capacity until 1986 when KAL was purchased by Ryder. And became known as Rider Student Transportation, along with other companies that had been purchased, uh, uh, similar to KAL. Rider Student Transportation then was purchased by First Group in 1999, and at the beginning of the 2000 school year, 2000, I served as president of First Student for about nine months. And then was recruited uh, to Durham School Services, which uh, had come into, come into being with Larry Durham in charge and they had been acquired by National Express in 1998. And that, uh, that began my career with National Express until, uh, with a couple of starts and stops, I wound up uh, retiring from National Express in 2011. So 52 years uh, in student transportation and uh, uh, never dull.
0: <laughs> I'm sure. And it it's interesting. So with National Express, what are what are you doing now with the organization? I currently function
1: as a consultant to senior management of uh, National Express. As I said, uh, I retired in uh, 2011 and uh, actually during that period of time, prior to the retirement, I had worked with uh, a lot of outstanding people within that organization, and the ability to function as a consultant with that group was offered, and that is something I have continued to do since that time.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's great, and you know, as as you know, current president Karina Noble, we're so pleased and and proud of the second female president of NSTA, but also you know, works for uh, uh, National Express and she's just been a dynamo in terms of her energy and abilities, you know, to 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 lead the organization. So, you know, I, I think I have to ask you, John, what are your, you know, reflections on, on working with Karina and then seeing her elevate to, you know, the role where she's heading the national organization?
1: Karina is one of those uh, individuals that uh, I have worked with for more than than 20 years. And obviously, she's outstanding. And I think what she has done uh, and is doing within STA uh, is absolutely phenomenal. Karina is a, uh, a very logical thinker. Uh, she is a very forward thinker. And I think Many of the issues and many of the opportunities she has presented to NSTA, particularly in uh, uh, government relations and also in communication in general, have been great. And I think the uh, the result with regard to NSTA and NSTA's influence uh, in our industry and outside of our industry, within governments, whether they be state or whether they be federal, uh, I think we're outstanding, and largely a result of the commitments and the capabilities that she's brought to her role.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I say when I'm asked to, you know, talk publicly, whether it's uh, with a reporter or on the radio, is that the school bus looks the same as it as it did, you know, 30, 40, I would guess even 50 years ago. Um, and you've been in the industry in 52 years. Like that yellow bus l- looks the same, but I'd love to know your view of, of its evolution, and you know maybe some things that come to mind, you know when you were at um, KAL, you know versus uh, the by the time you retired in in 2011, you know like what are those changes? What do they look like for you? Okay, so I guess I'd start with
1: one of the things that
0: uh, that hasn't changed uh,
1: in our industry uh, is the commitment that they entities that are involved have to safety and also to the service that we provide. I think that has been something that's been consistent and continues over the 50 years that I've been involved, in, and that's a plus. To go beyond that, uh, as you touched upon just a minute ago, when you look at the bus and the other, what I'll refer to as as tools that we utilize in providing our services, those things have changed tremendously, whether it be Computerized routing now, whether it be radios, which were not that prevalent 50 years ago, certainly cameras, uh, things like that, fuel. But also, what has really changed the nature of the business greatly is the the capturing of information that many of the companies employ now and utilize in their in their business and the technology that's on the bus. So those are the two. Probably the greater change, though, has been that what 1972 the majority of the scuba operations that were contracted were owned by families. It was not a corporate enterprise, much as it is today, and that created or afforded. An opportunity that was different than what happens when and as the industry has moved to more corporate ownership. Local people operating in local communities got to have different relationships with their employees, different relationships with their school customers, which I think over the years has transitioned into something that, that is different. Not necessarily bad, but it is certainly something that is different. I would also submit that the nature of the school districts that we deal with, the administrators, have also changed in that same period of time. School administrators, particularly superintendents, used to be educators. Now they are more business people of necessity. Some of the requirements that they are compelled to deal with say that they have to have more business acumen than they had in the past that's changed the relationship of how we as contractors deal with those individuals. Again, not necessarily worse, but it certainly has made it different. And those are the things that I think have been uh, probably most significant over the last 50 years and continue to, to uh, continue to change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in, in terms of uh, challenges that, you know, we've seen and boy, I'd like to, to hear your answer on this one. First and foremost, every meeting I go to, you know, people are discussing the school bus driver shortage. And, you know, while we saw some pieces of that back before the pandemic, it the pandemic certainly exacerbated, you know, that condition. And then there was one graphic that I saw, John, that I think really, I'd be interested to to know your perspective on this with your 52 years of experience. It showed that a majority of our drivers in student transportation are aged 55 and older. So I'm, I'm curious, if you go back a number of years, has that always been the case, or is it a situation where the industry really should look toward attracting new and younger people into the profession of school bus driving?
1: I don't think that's always been the case, although I'm hesitating just a little. I can remember a time when many of our drivers truly were part-time drivers. Some of them were firemen that drove the bus uh, during their uh, days when they weren't on duty, off-duty policemen. People engaged in agriculture who, when the weather turned, uh, they were there. And they represented a pretty large spectrum in terms of age. I think over a period of time, and I don't know the stacked uh, statistics today, but I would think that a significant portion of our driver group today are females. And I think that has, uh, uh, that's a situation that has changed Uh, over the years. We also, I think, classified our drivers before as part-time employees. I don't think they're part-time employees anymore. Uh, Many of the companies are hiring people with the expectation that on a given day, they may be driving a bus or certainly be employed anywhere from five to seven hours a day that doesn't afford a whole lot of time during the school year for an individual to be part-time. And I think that is a change. We also look at the number of drivers that in the past, if they, some anyway, that were driving, but also were able to uh, collect benefits because of their age. That number is decreasing. I uh, I think more and more we're having people drive a school bus. That because that's their their source of income, total source right. of income. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's a major that's a major change in terms of that demographic. There are any number of other things, though, that are impacting our our driver availability uh, besides that
0: age. Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're 100% correct in in terms of the the gender split. There's definitely more females driving today than uh, perhaps previously and more than than the male drivers. Uh, one other area that is really coming to the forefront with respect to uh, student transportation is the advent of the electric school bus. And so, you know, going back 52 years and, and now we're fast forward to a pretty aggressive timetable for, you know, contractors and school districts to, to ramp up for electrification of the school bus fleet. John, what are your observations uh, about electrification in general and the ability for student transportation to adapt effectively?
1: Kurt, you might take note that when I was talking about the the changes earlier and I made reference to the the tools, I think I specifically avoided a reference to the school bus as a tool. When I think about electric, uh, one of the reasons I did that is because that's an area that, that probably I'm still learning. I'm still learning how electric is really going to fit into how we do and what we do well. Obviously, the the environmental benefits are very obvious. But one of the questions that, uh, that I've asked uh, with regard to electrification, how do we effectively use that tool to enhance the delivery of education for those that we service? And I ask that question without being able to offer an answer. Electrification is here, and and it's going to continue to grow. How do we, as an industry, make it something that, in addition to benefiting our customers, also benefits us? And again, I'm not talking about the environmental impact. I'm talking about uh, does it make us better at what we do? And I don't know the answer to that.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I think it leads us into you know, perhaps our, our last question here, and, and that's from your perspective, John, as an industry, you, you know, watcher over a prolonged period of time, what do you see as the future of the student transportation industry in general and in specific, if you have cases?
1: I think our, our, our future is pretty secure, whether it's fortunate or unfortunately. One of the things that was uh, has been demonstrated in the pandemic is that remote learning is not something that benefits students, and if that is not uh, a give, if that is not the, the future, then it says students need to be in school. If students need to be in school, that says that we as an industry need to make sure that we transport them safely and effectively. So that says that our future, I think, is good. The long-term viability of our industry is secure. The one thing that I do think we need to address is we talk about uh, my my 50 years in the business. 50 years ago, I believe that it was said that uh, about 30 percent of the buses uh, in operation in North America are outsourced. The remaining 70 percent are district owned. I don't know that that percentage has changed that greatly. It may have swung a couple of points, but that's about it. So there is something that we're not doing in terms of convincing those who don't utilize our services that we can do it better than them. So that offers uh, an opportunity uh, for our future. The other thing that I think we're, our future is going to compel us to have to deal with and learn how to deal with effectively, and it's something that an old guy like me uh, you know, marvels at, and that is how are we going to address the social media that uh, truly monitors everything that we do, not only what we do, but what our, uh, what our customers are doing as well. How are we going to adapt to social media as it affects our employees, as it affects our customers, and enable us in the future to do what we do and do what we do well?
0: Yeah, once again, at NSTA The Bus Stop, our guest this week, John Elliott Sr., he's CEO Emeritus at National Express Hey, John, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and thanks for taking a few minutes to give us your insight over your vast experience with uh, student transportation. Really appreciate it. And Kurt, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity.